Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Social Enterprise Alliance podcast. Today, we have a fantastic conversation with Vicky Pazaban, the CEO of Prospera Partners. Vicky is the principal consultant and founder of Prospera Partners, a small but mighty consulting firm that works with small business owners, social entrepreneurs, and nonprofits on thoughtful business planning, systems change, transformational leadership, and more. She is people-centered and passionate about teaching, guiding, and facilitating clients through strategies to do better by doing good for themselves, their business, and their communities. Vicki has written many articles and blogs for publications like The Nonprofit Quarterly, Green Fire Times, Philanthropy Journal, and others. And she has given keynotes and presentations across the country on everything from local economies to healthy food systems and more. In our conversation, we touched on a number of her areas of expertise. And just to give you a little heads up, today is just to get the conversation started. Vicky is hosting our upcoming coffee chat in March, so make sure you check that out. Well, before we get started, here's Lauren to tell us a little bit about our upcoming webinar with Isabel Bart. Well, I'm super happy to have Isabel Bart here, who is the Managing Director of Academies for Social Entrepreneurship and the founder of Impact Innovator. And she's also a member of Social Enterprise Alliance. And Isabel is actually uh, the host and the facilitator of our Building a Meaningful Impact Story Through Pitch and Presentation webinar that we are hosting on Thursday, March 9th at 2 p.m. Central Time. And that's a virtual learning opportunity uh, via Zoom. So we're super excited to just hear a little bit from Isabel. Um, So Isabel, what is this webinar all about? So thank you, Lauren, for for having me in the conversation. Um, Yes, so, you know, a lot lot of work that I've done with nonprofit organization and for-profit impact companies, um, I, I realized that we've spent a lot of time helping founders take a step back look at their organization, their model, and help them articulate how to best convey what they do, their mission, their goals to whoever their audience might be at that moment in time, whether it's a potential um, funder, a potential uh, team, future team member, um, a partner, can be a lot of uh, different type of audiences. But what's critical is to be able to convey what the organization is about in a short amount of time. And I've done this exercise very often with also, um, you know, traditional businesses and companies because the founders a lot of time are so passionate about the story that they start going into the minutia very fast or talking mm. about the how and thinking, you know, of the, the solution that they have implemented and being maybe sometimes too technical about what they do versus going back to really getting people excited about the why and how they are solving a problem and how they are in a lot of cases creating life-changing solutions for people. Absolutely. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I can definitely think of, you know, yeah, when you're passionate about something or when you're in the weeds of something, it's really hard to like scale out and then see the full picture and be able to like convey that in a way that's short and snappy and um, memorable to people. So that's awesome. That's super important. So what are some of the specific things that attendees will walk away with after attending this webinar? So we'll go through some simple methodologies that can be used that we use over and over 
And I'm not saying that sometimes, you know, they need a, a, a small tweaks here and there, depending on each organization, but there are some very simple things to follow in terms of how you organize a presentation, what's important to talk about first, maybe last, you know, such as always wrap up maybe with a clear ask of your mm -hmm. audience. Um, and I will also use an example of an organization I work with to illustrate the point so that it does, we don't stay too much stuck in theoretical land. Um, I also believe that it's um, important to, um, again, to follow this methodology. Sometimes when we work in the impact of social enterprise world, we are thinking, you know, whatever we do is good. And it's true that we all have this mission and passion in what we do every day. But it is important to have some clear methodologies for people who are outside our world who don't think like we do to get, get them excited and maybe speak their language a little bit more. Um, also, another thing I want to bring up in the webinar is impact logic models, which is, I believe, a clear tool and simple methodology to use for any organization to articulate their impact in a very simple way can be also very basic or more complicated for a more evolved organization, but also leading to creating some simple objectives and measurable goals that can explain to their audience really how they are making an impact and what their impact looks like. That's awesome. One of the biggest questions that we kind of see from our members is the, this question of you know finding funding or finding investors. So I would imagine that something like this is really important to that search for continuing to fund your social enterprise. Is that, is that right? Exactly. And, you know, some of the terms I'm going to use and they may sound like coming really for the for-profit, you know, startup world, but, you know, elevator pitch, for example, which is typically a 30 second, um, you know, pitch you want to be able to make about your organization. So the ability to be concise, which is very difficult when a lot of organizations do many, many things. Mm. Um, and also, you know, really presenting a deck. And that is what I will showcase um, practically with that example on how you can put some slides together that can really have a flow that seems logical to um, investors or funders in what they are accustomed to see from potential organizations. So that um, you know, not that I'm, I'm not saying that you have to fit in the mold always, but at least having, you know, something that people are, are seeing all the time. And, and then you look professional, your organization seems like, you know, you really have it together, you know what you're doing. And if they give you funding, you know, there is that expectation that, you know, you already outlined why you need the funding, what your goals are, and some simple things like that, that can be, that can go very far when you're uh, trying to attract funds. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. Well, awesome. Thank you, Isabel. This is going to be a really, really fantastic learning opportunity. Um, and again, for our listeners, this is our Building a Meaningful Impact Story Through Pitch and Presentation webinar presented by Isabel Bart on March 9th uh, at 2 p.m. CT. If this is something that you're interested in attending, please send me an email at info at socialenterprise.us and I'll get you the registration info um, so you can attend this fantastic fantastic webinar with Isabel Bart. Thanks again, Isabel. Thank you. Well, hello, Vicki. Welcome to the Social Enterprise Alliance podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk to you. Yeah. Well, we're thrilled to have you here with us today. Um, you're the founder and CEO of Prospera Partners and 
You were part of our summit. You were one of the speakers. You were one of the highly attended sessions. And so we wanted to bring you into a wider audience and uh, hear more about your work and, and the social enterprise sector from your perspective. Thank you. Yeah, it was it was really great to reconnect with um, SEA during the summit. Um, I've kind of dipped in and out of the SEA world over the years and really glad to be back in it in the last year or so. So really happy to be here and talk about social enterprise, nonprofits in the social sector, uh, and all the good yeah. work. Well, let's get started. Just tell us a little bit about your work at Prospera and why you do the work you do, why you're so passionate for this sector. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I originally started my career, I would say when I was, you know, late teens <laughs> working in the nonprofit sector. So I've been in the nonprofit sector for a long, long time. Um, and as part of that work, I was an executive director of an organization that really focused on local independent businesses and local economy development. And within that, we certainly found social enterprises to be a big part of that world. And um, that's where I really started to get interested in supporting the social enterprise work and um, supporting both the private social enterprises and the nonprofits. And so that's what Prospera Partner does. We um, consult and facilitate, and uh, we have educational workshops for nonprofit leaders as well. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I mean, I, I feel like this sector is is still just uh, budding uh, and getting ready to explode. Uh, not that it hasn't been around, but the consumers are definitely more aware. So I think that the work that you're doing is really important to really empower this next generation of leaders in this sector. I know that you do a lot of client consulting. And so tell me a little bit about these leaders and what those sessions look like. And I think more specifically, you know, what is it that leadership you see is, is really needing right now as we enter into kind of this next um, journey of social enterprise? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so a lot of our business on our, on our private side, on the social enterprise and small business side, a lot of those folks are business owners and social enterprise founders and owners who are really deeply committed to community, deeply committed to cause, um, social impact. And so we do the business development, marketing, messaging, et cetera, all the strategies of how to really do that well. And we also work with those leaders in their own development, their own transformational development of how they can better serve community, how can they better serve themselves. Sometimes doing social impact work, it can burn you out, right? When you get so deep into your cause and you want to help community and it's all you want to be doing. And we tend to martyr ourselves or yeah. we tend to overwork ourselves or overburden ourselves trying to fix all of the things. And we can't. So we do that kind of transformational leadership as well as all of the business development strategy work. And for the nonprofit sector, we really do focus on transformational leadership and systems change and how we really need to transform the entire system that nonprofits work within, whether it's the healthcare system or food and agriculture systems or education systems or, you know, you name it, the nonprofits are serving all the different sectors in various ways. And so we get down to equity issues and we get down to um, leadership issues and how do you sustain yourself as a leader in these organizations? And you can be a leader at any phase of your career and any 
job title. And so we don't just focus on executive leadership. We focus on anyone in the sector who really wants to do better, do good, and do it well in a healthy way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, well, a couple of things that you really hit on. One, I'm, I'm curious to know more about the systems change that you, you see, like what things that we should all be kind of aware of. Um, and then just that self-care, like, yeah, I mean, I think that resonates with everybody, um, here that listens. And I know that when I've taught self-care in this, in this sector and at the uh, locally in Cincinnati around social enterprise, it, like people are in tears just because that this work is so important and so meaningful, yet we do really overextend ourselves so easily um, it's, it's just a difficult balance between the two. So let, let's start there. Let's start with the self-care. You know, what does that practically look like to really put it in the practice? It, to me, it feels like the only way to really embody self-care is to carve out those spaces of time, but that's like our most precious uh, asset, you know, yeah. and it's, and, and I, it's, I think that's where the boundary is always so difficult to, to land on. Yeah, I agree. Um, in fact, <laughs> we just hosted an executive director's circle this morning and facilitated with a group of executive directors. And um, it really is about how what is your capacity to lead? And how do you create more capacity, whether through that's your own um, time commitments, monetary resources for the organization, um, social capital, obviously, human capital, is capacity building. Um, and so we really got into what can you really let go of in order to bring something more into your work, into your world, and better take care of yourself. And for some folks, it's literally turning off notifications on their phone so that mm-hmm. they aren't constantly like Pavlov's dog responding all the time, all the time, all the time and giving themselves that boundary. Um, I think particularly women in positions of leadership take on everything and do everything because we have been conditioned to believe that that is our role and that we should. And so, um, you know, we, we talk about healthy boundaries in that way as well. And we talk about the system, the systems of oppression that we are all working in, um, especially in the nonprofit sector in that, you know, <laughs> wealth and privilege is at the very center of the nonprofit sector. And everyone is trying mm-hmm. to access wealth and privilege in order to do good. And wealth and privilege are oppression systems, right? Right, right. So we talk about all of that good stuff in all of our work, in our consulting work, and in our educational workshops. And we go pretty deep. We talk about... um dismantling systemic racism in the nonprofit sector. And we talk about how to rebuild that um, and how to, how to think through all the intersections of oppression. And it's not just racial oppression, it's gender issues. It's all kinds of different intersections of oppression happening in the nonprofit sector. And we all have bought into it. We all have been a part of it and participated in it. Um, you know, sometimes it's as simple as donating 50 bucks to an organization and asking, is my money going to support 
100% of your program because I don't want it to support administration. Your 50 right. bucks has now become oppressive. Right. <laughs> right. Right. So how can we deal with all of those issues? And it, it, it needs to come from all levels of the nonprofit sector. So we work with the, the philanthropy side and the direct service side. Yeah. Well, I love that. Well, and I love the fact that, you know, it, it seems like when we find ourselves in these systems, there's, there's an immediate, um, well, at least for me, there's an immediate feeling of like, I don't know what to do. Right. And so what I love about, uh, hearing about even the executive director circle is it's like, well, first step is to really bring an awareness to it in a safe place and to really talk about it with multiple perspectives so that we all can call it for what it is, you know, and, and then, um, kind of own all of it. Yeah. Then we can work on, okay, what are the small things we can do? And, and, and I love that second part is it seems like it, it, it really is that small thing. Like it is this $50 donation, or it is being a little bit more aware of these small everyday things that don't feel like that they add up. But at the end of the day, they do. Yeah. Yeah. And I would also say this about um, executive directors. My heart goes out to every single one because I was one. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it, it's an interesting position to be in because you don't have a peer in your organization to talk to or mm -hmm. lean on because you are accountable to the board and you oversee your staff. So you're in this weird position as an executive director where you don't have anyone else at your level to talk to. So that's why we wanted to create executive director circles so that you have that peer-to-peer -peer connection and you can talk about confidential things that you can't go to your board with and you can't go to your staff right. with. And right. you certainly don't want to be put in that position in your organization of, you know, going to the board with issues that they should not have to hear about right. or that puts you in jeopardy of your job. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. There's not a safety there that's kind of required to, to really solve the problem. Right. Well, I think too, just that level of community, right. To, to mm -hmm. be, that, that's one of the things I love about SEA when, when we are connecting with one another, you know, our head art is kind of just like we're in our work where our, we're in deep, you know, and, and we're laser focused in on what we're trying to do and, and the world change that we're trying to bring or the systems that we're trying to fight against. So what I've found in many of our members is that you feel so isolated. Mm -hmm. So to have, to be able to unplug for a minute and to, to have peers, um, you know, is, is just really great. It's just a really great asset. Yeah. I guess what I left out of all of this is that we do this all and we, we, call it and we create and design a community of practice. And we've done this with another uh, a number of um, client organizations that are seeking to bring together groups of people to talk about specific issues specific to their focus areas or their work or um, a common interest or an impact area or something like that. Um, so we create those types of communities of practice to hold that space for them to do that shared learning, best practice sharing, trust building. Um, sometimes coalitions are formed out of that for adv advocacy and policy making. And sometimes it's just a group of folks who need the space to commune 
convene and and mm-hmm. talk and connect. So we create communities of practice, and um, we do that in our workshops, our public workshops, and as well with our clients too. In the communities of practice, are those specific silos that you try to find people in, or is it like a broad, just like kind of here's a cohort of people that that come in? It can be either or, actually. Um, we've done a community of practice that was specific to the um, environmental education field. And um, what we did was actually open up what the definition of educational, of, of um, what environmental education is for the state of New Mexico, and therefore had leaders who were in um, like school gardening as a form of environmental education versus those who were in um, the formal classroom teaching science and outdoor education in that way and brought them all together in that way. So it was sort of a broad, but it was definitely a focus area. And then we've worked with um, entrepreneurs, very specifically Native American entrepreneurs and community of practice to learn from each other, to connect. They were from all over the country and um, to really talk about issues very specific to Native American entrepreneurship mm. and um, emerging leaders in the nonprofit sector was one of our first communities of practice. And that one was very much about leadership in general. So that was really what brought people together. And it was, um, as I've mentioned, different uh, levels in career. So you could be an administrative assistant or you could be an executive director or a program director. It didn't matter what your job title was. It was about what leadership skills do you have and where do you want to go and how do you want to work on them? Well, very cool. Yeah. And I will, I'll say for the end, like how people can plug in, but I, I really just appreciate that uh, intentionality that you've created for those different circles. Well, we started with the question of self-care and I fa- and we also acknowledge that um, we wanted to talk about rebuilding this equitable nonprofit sector. It was very interesting for me to see how they were related mm-hmm. in your answer. You kind of hit both, <laughs> <laughs> which is really great. Like, I mean, I, I think that just makes so much sense. Um, but with that, specifically to rebuilding that that sector and and tearing down some of those systems of oppression, what are things that you're seeing that are having some um, carrying some momentum as we're, we're we are trying to tear down some of these old systems? Yeah, one of the big things that we see um, is organizations who are, and we love this because <laughs> the traditional method of strategic planning of, you know, get the board together, get a consultant in the room and you talk about all the ways and things and the directions and the tasks and the objectives and okay, let's go off and do it. Yeah. And then nothing gets done or the staff has to do all the implementation. That's a very traditional model. Some organizations do well with that. Other organizations are looking at a bigger, better way of doing community assessment and impact. And so we do community-centered strategic planning in that we essentially decenter the board of directors and ask them instead to become community leaders. And we host community convenings with constituents. And we facilitate groups and table discussions. And we ask the board members to be there to be um 
information harvesters at the table take the notes and report back to the rest of the room what they heard, rather than being the leaders in the room with all the answers. And that really helps the board to have a different perspective and to see a process in a different way. And it changes the system that the organization operates in. Yeah. It's less top down, obviously, <laughs> and it centers community and it centers the impact in the community and the voices from the community and serves the community directly. And then we use all of that feedback to create a strategic direction. And sometimes it's a reevaluation of the work that's already been done. Sometimes it's a validation and nothing new actually has to be done. And a lot of organizations tend to think that strategic planning means lots of new stuff. Right. We have to do new right, things. Right. And sometimes it's just a check-in and community can validate you in, in lots of different ways. So that's one way of really um, approaching systems change. It's the system that the organization operates in and as an organization. So we love to do that kind of work and, um, and think about the system, right? So if you're working, let's say in um, local food economy, and food justice, you know, bringing unlikely partners into the conversation as well, bringing unlikely um, stakeholders who you may not have thought about who may be on sort of the outer fringes of the work that you do and may not have direct impact. But we try and get as many voices in the room as possible to talk about the system that the organization is working within. Yeah. I, I mean, I really, Wow. I really love that perspective. Um, you know, and I think it goes a lot to tearing down even that wealth and privilege conversation. It, it, it makes things a lot more hands-on and more direct. And even to your point, it's, it's just making sure that that voice is heard at the table and maybe nothing changes other than it is validating that you're on the right track. I, I've always mm -hmm. wondered, um, you know, just, as with my role in SEA and as the board chairperson and trying to continue to think about how we can best support other people, what would it look like to really invite um, non-traditional people into the board setting? You know, when I think about diversity, there's, there is gender, there's race, there's religion, there's all these different versions of diversity, you know, but especially in the social enterprise sector, I think it would be really neat to see even some movement of inviting the people you serve into that board setting, you know, could they be board members just like everybody else? Like why, uh, you know, and, and the, the wisdom that someone who is being served by your organization could bring to the organization, I think is, is pretty invaluable. So it's, it, it feels similar to that where we're trying to connect those two much more quickly. Yeah, I agree. And I have always felt that, as I mentioned earlier, that small businesses and locally owned independent businesses and communities are social enterprises. <laughs> they don't think of themselves that way, but because they are the ones who are often paying a higher wage, um, are, you know, building more of that family culture within their business because they're family owned. Um, you know, they want to take care of their employees and that is social impact. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. That's about the health and wellness of their own employees and about the community. They're the ones that are putting more money back into our tax base. And so I've always considered locally owned independent businesses to be social enterprise. And I love getting them in the room with the social enterprise folks to talk and learn from each other because they get to see each other 
reflected in each other, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I personally couldn't agree more. Uh, I absolutely agree with that. Well, one of the things that really stuck out, and I, I want to, while you're here, kind of ask this question too. Um, what we re- recognized during Summit is that there was a pretty large segment of people that were starting up social enterprises. So a lot more energy coming here. And because you do the consulting work that you do, what advice would you give to someone that is just starting a social enterprise? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think really honing in on what it is that you want to be doing and why. And um, really thinking about your own personal mission and why you want to have the impact you want to have. Um, I think sometimes we, we think, oh, there's a problem out there that I want to fix. But is it truly aligned with your own mission and your own values that you carry? So I think that's a really great place to start. And the other thing that I would say is you have to be willing to do the hard work. It's not easy to own a business. It's not easy to own a social enterprise. It's not easy to run a nonprofit. It's a lot of work and it's a lot of time commitment. And there's a lot of sweat equity that we all put into this world. (laughs) Be prepared for that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Those are great starting points. Uh, I do know like when that personal passion can align with what you really care about, then that's kind of the sweet spot of, of making sure even things like self-care can, can matter because then it starts to integrate uh, more naturally. So absolutely. And I think if you have a culture of self-care from day one, your employees will see that and value that. Yes. Yes. For sure. For sure. Well, and I mean, I think that that's a great point too, right? For as you're putting together your teams, whether you're a startup or not, you know, we, we need our teams to be healthy in order to, to see the work go through. So as a leader, absolutely, it's super tempting to like, uh, well, and maybe, you know, again, maybe it's just me, but it's very tempting to, to neglect my own self-care just because uh, I'm the leader. Here I am in this position. So therefore, I need to right. work hard, a little bit harder than everybody else versus modeling self-care so that your team models self-care so that the collective is is much better and has much more capacity to serve in the cause that you care about. Yeah. And I would say that a lot of folks tend to think about social impact as out there in the world. I'm doing it for the community. I'm doing it for the cause out there. But you can actually have social impact within your organization and within your business, within your social enterprise by having a culture. Mm-hmm of social impact. And that starts with the self-care culture. It starts with the, you know, livable and better than livable wages and your benefits packages, you know, all the things that really support your human capital to keep your organization running and a culture that supports all of the social impact internally. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, this has been amazing. And I know that we're just scratching the surface of just the, the communities that you're building and the support that you offer. Um, so want to just kind of leave with a couple things. One, how can people connect to the work at Prospera Partners? How is there, is that an open platform where people can join and sign up to be a, a part of an executive director circle, for example? 
Yeah. So um, on our website, prosperapartners.org, we have our events, which are big events, bold impact for good events. And you'll see um, a number of different offerings that we have that folks can sign up for. And we'll be opening up registration again in um, March for our next cohorts, which will begin in uh, late spring. So uh, look out for those on the website. We have social media, of course, uh, Instagram account and uh, LinkedIn and Facebook and um, stay in touch with us that way. But we also have a podcast called Impact Out Loud, where we um, as a team, our, my whole consulting and facilitation team, we talk about all of this and we we actually offer some reflection questions and some um, actionable ways to do some of this work and implement some of this work on your own. And we kind of peel back the curtain on the consulting and facilitation work that we do and share some of our insights and wisdom. And um, we try and do it sincerely and authentically and with some humor and grace. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that kind of leads us to the second thing. What, you know, I think what I enjoy about podcasts is we do get to pull back that curtain a little bit. And then it's a little bit more of a, an informal way to ask some questions and, and to hear the wisdom from other people in, in this, in whatever sector. Um, but we're going to peel it back even more because, um, you are our host for SEA's coffee chat on March 14th at 1 p.m. Eastern time. And so that's going to be this amazing platform where people can really get to to dive deeper and, and ask questions in an informal way. So tell us why that you're excited about that. Yeah, I'm super excited about doing a coffee chat because I love, um, I, I you know, because of the work that we do, I love con convening communities. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, and I love answering questions. So it'll be really fun to do that and to dig into uh, our topic, which is... Um, aligning your personal values with your mission to do good. Yep. Yep. For, so if you're listening, definitely mark that in your calendar now and, and sign up for that. It's just going to be an amazing time. Uh, Vicki, my goodness, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your, your wisdom with the world and, and this sector. And just the work that you're doing is, is really monumental just because you're helping to empower more people, which help empower more people and, and the ripple kind of continues from there. So really appreciate you being here today and, and sharing with us. Thank you. This is great. I look forward to talking with you again. Yeah. Well, we'll see you in about a month. Yes. Thank you. Thank you.